Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It will be one of the highest profile and hotly contested congressional primary races in the area this season. And it's kind of a rematch. Once again, Marie Newman is among those looking to unseat incumbent Democratic Congressman Dan Lipinski. And you'll hear from her this weekend. Hello, I'm political editor Craig Delamore, and this is At Issue. about 2,000 votes of toppling fellow 3rd Congressional District Democrat Dan Lipinski in the primary election. It was a uh, hot race last time, and the heat has only intensified since. Marie Newman says this time she will be victorious. Marie Newman grew up on the southwest side of Chicago and the south suburbs. She's been a partner in an advertising agency and run her own consulting business, but she clearly wants to do more. We're going to talk all about that during this half hour. Marie Newman, welcome back to the program. Thank you, Craig. Good to be here. Well, you fell just short of the goal in the uh, 2018 race. What's going to make the outcome different this time? Gosh, you know, there's not any one thing I would say. I just think that, um, A, the district is really ready. Um, They're really tired of having someone that is completely out of alignment with them. It's, uh, you know, an ongoing issue and it only grows. So there's that. But they also just want positive change. Um, They want someone that actually has real economic proposals and has things in writing, has practical solutions and tried and true ways of thinking about things. And so for me, um, what I see, I've done 280 meet and greets. They want a real Democrat with a real plan. That's as simple as it is. Well, even though you have been working, uh, you know, for much of the two years um, to uh, shore up your uh, organization and support, Clearly, Dan Lipinski's been doing likewise. Uh, he's got the endorsement and bragged about it of uh, several South Suburban mayors. And his uh, what he says is he's been working and helping people in the district, and that's what's going to win it for him. You know what? He, he is very welcome to believing whatever he would like to believe. <laughs> well, the South Side, though, is not the trendy north side. Uh, A lot of people are working class. Dan Lipinski is much more on the conservative side. Mm -hmm. Um, So why isn't he more in touch with the people of the district than you might be? Yeah, so I grew up in the district, um, have largely stayed in the district. I raised my kids here. Um, I'm very in touch with every part of the district because I've worked in every part of the district. So, you know, um, I have been a gun safety reform advocate. I was the spokesperson for Moms Demand Action. I ran a national nonprofit program with my partner, Sears, called Team Up to Stop Bullying and um, have worked on everything from school reform to um, health care rights, economic rights. And I've worked legislatively as well as uh, through community advocacy throughout the Illinois 3 district and not just over the last two or three years. Let's let's call it 30 years I've been working on programs. So um, it is a, a, a kind of a grand intersection. I have advocacy background, nonprofit. I have small business background. 
um, as well as legislative experience. So um, this intersection of activities has really brought me to where we are today. But more than anything else, I think the district's looking for a bridge builder. I have uh, built a lot of coalitions. You've probably heard about my Interpeace uh, Faith Coalition. It is uh, an organization that we've built on the campaign that has peace forums that talks about the issues in the district. Um, We have hate in the district. We have racism in the district. We have problems. The district is divided. We have to come back together. And I feel as though, based on everything I've told you and all of the work that we've done, that I'm best equipped to uh, bring the district together. And we have a lot of evidence to support that in that I have uh, support from every part of the district. Um, one of the issues that seems to come up a lot in the uh, in the district uh, and, and in, the, in the Southland uh, is transportation. Yeah. Uh, voters, yeah. Um, a number of them might uh, feel that it has been Bill, excuse me, Dan Lipinski, Bill was his dad, who also was big yeah, in transportation. for sure. Um, but that uh, Dan Lipinski uh, has been bringing home funds to local projects. And how can you persuade them that you would be able to do that and better? Yeah, so I think it's fascinating that in 15 years we've never had a transportation plan that says that um, we will do these, enumerate these specific tasks. So I have a transportation plan, and then I also have a third district uh, priorities plan for all activity, including transportation. So I think it's important to note that if you've gone 15 years without a plan and then you're not accountable to anything, it's really hard to say what you've done and what you haven't done. Further, um, I think that it is no stretch of the imagination to say that Dan exaggerates what he brings home or what he doesn't bring home to the district. And I'll stop there, but that's very clear. Well, I do want to ask about another issue that has been pretty uh, high in the headlines lately, uh, and that is uh, that uh, Dan Lipinski is pro-life. He's Mm -hmm. anti-abortion. Do you believe his position is so different from most of the people in the district or different enough for them to vote him out based on it? Well, first of all, I I don't believe anyone should be uh, making their full voting decision based on just um, the issue of choice. Um, so I, I have my mom happens to be pro-life and my sister's pro-life and um, I have pro-life folks that vote for me and they don't make a they are not one uh, one topic voters. Um, so what I would say is, is that we know beyond a shadow of a doubt, 70 over 71 percent of the district is pro-choice. That said, when you are a representative, you represent everybody. So because I believe I trust women and I believe in a woman's right to choose, it doesn't mean that um, you can't vote for me. It means that you agree with the rest of my platform, um, helping working families um, and the middle class. I have real economic proposals around health care, raising wages, empowering unions, paid leave, universal child care, things that will help right away and are ready to go. These are all tried and true solutions that out of the gate we can Uh, work on and people will feel the effects of it. Uh, One of the centerpieces of my campaign is making life more affordable. And we need tried and true solutions from someone who's been a management consultant, a nonprofit leader, and a business leader, as well as an advocate to do that. Um, Give me an example of uh, one or two things in that that platform uh, that would directly help people. Yeah, I think that if we adopt healthcare for all measures that everybody is going to have a more affordable life. One of the uh, models that I feel most strongly about um, is 
uh, Medicare for All. It's a tried and true program, right? Is that uh, Medicare is a current program that is working well, not perfect because none is, uh, but it's working well. If we expand it and include vision, hearing, dental, uh, long-term care, and it is full, um, and then roll it out methodically, starting with reducing pharmaceutical prices, then I think we're in a position where right away Americans are going to feel better and Illinois 3 residents will feel better. This is an issue, though, that is even in the presidential race causing mm-hmm. some divisions among Democrats. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Congressman Lipinski uh, says that the cost mm-hmm. of Medicare for all is is astronomical mm-hmm. and that it makes it not practical, just something. So you know, most studies yeah. indicate that if we stay with Obamacare, we're going to be at double where we would be if we at the end of 10 years, if we are if we t- were to go with Medicare for all. So um, we just have a, a difference of opinion. I have facts um, to support that. So um, the reality is, is Dan can say whatever he wants to say, but I um, mean, he's welcome to his opinion. If he's assessed something and was looking at it differently, I, I respect his opinion. I'm just saying that um, by and large throughout the district, people want Medicare for all. That's very clear. How much would it cost? So, you know, there are a bunch of studies out there and there's uh, some of them uh, contradict one another. But most studies indicate if we stayed with Obamacare, we're going to be at in the low 50 trillion area after 10 years. If we go to a, a Medicare for all model, we're going to be in, you know, roughly the 29 to 32 trillion range. If we go back to the way we were pre-Obamacare, then we're going to be beyond 70 trillion. So it of the three, it's the most cost effective. It also does two very, very important things, Craig, is that it uh, guarantees we have choice of our doctors. If we go to some hybrid model, which is a, like a public option and something else, it's basically what we have right now. So some of these models called uh, Medicare for some or Medicare for um, those that just want it, that's just effectively what we have right now. And it won't bring costs down. Um, So for me, it is the most cost-effective model, and it also uh, gets rid of networks. And so you can go to the doctor of your choice. That's the biggest problem right now with Obamacare is that you have all of these issues. First you go to your doctor, and then you go to your specialist. Then you have to check in with um, three different insurance companies, and then you have to talk to the pharmaceutical company, and then you have to check back with the doctors. I mean, it's this crazy network model that doesn't work. When you're sick, you just need to go to the doctor. Um one of the things that some people worry about, though, is that some people, whether it's through their employers or, mm-hmm. or uh, their own choice, um, have plans and benefits, of, right. of, uh, a menu of benefits that they like, and worry that if that changes, that that will not be as good for them. Yeah. So um, I think that we have to be honest about what's perception and reality. So um it's not the people, I mean, Illinois 3 is filled with um, brilliant folks that understand their plans well and like their plans. That's totally fine. What I'm saying is that no matter what plan you have, you're restricted to a specific set of doctors and you can't go beyond that or else you're charged astronomically. I'm saying with a Medicare for all model that you have access and nobody really gets angry with their insurance company until they get sick. And then there's typically some problems. Um, So I'm not saying that those folks don't love their insurance plans. I'm just saying that they will have less frustration and more opportunity and more choice if they go with Medicare for all. Um, The uh, Sun, I should bring this up because it was an issue in the Sun-Times. This goes back to uh, transportation, and that Mm -hmm. was that the Sun-Times and the Better Government Association uh, 
uh, dinged you for suggesting that uh, Bill Lipinski was responsible for unraveling a law dealing with uh, idling You mean trains. Dan Lipinski? Dan Lipinski. Yeah. I keep saying yeah. that. That's okay. i got to stop. Uh, <laughs> but, um, but it was whether or not trains would be allowed to, uh, to idle unrestricted. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they said you were wrong when you brought that up. What What do you? Well, think? first of all, that was from a podcast, um, and mm-hmm. and it's asked well, which and answered. Which would be like us yeah. sitting here, right? Exactly. It was very much like that. It was uh, several weeks ago. So, of course, Dan did not sit on the Supreme Court. He had nothing to do with the overturn of that. Um, there was another conversation that was conflated with that. It's fine. The BGA can keep their. You know, it's fine. Asked and answered. Well. Let's talk about let's uh, talk a little bit more about uh, about you and 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 where you believe your greatest strength is. Mm-hmm. Is it the advocacy? Is it the 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 organization, the planning of it? Yeah, I think that um, it is an intersection of three things that um, I have built uh, coalitions my entire career nationally at the community level and at the statewide level and have worked very hard in that space and have been very effective. Uh, you know, the most notable is is that in a nine-month period, I got 49% of the district to, to vote for me and support me. So I think, and that didn't happen by just me. I built this amazing group of folks, and it was really a situation where the I ran with the district. The district and I ran together. Um, and then Dan continues to run a, against the district. So so for me, it's the bridge building aspect, the fact that I have been in business and nonprofit and advocacy. Really, I think the the ability to um, have uh, coalitions, but build process that works and build uh, build out tried and true and innovative uh, solutions to key problems. Although, I mean, being in the advertising business and consulting don't always trans- tra- uh, translate directly into uh, government prowess. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. you haven't had experience, but I've but I've government. advocated for that's true. I've never been in government, actually, just to be clear. Um, so I have advocated for uh, gun safety laws, anti-bullying laws, uh, health care rights, the fight for 15. I worked with the district. In fact, the district and I uh, worked so hard at the very end of the last cycle. Um, our current representative uh, changed his mind and signed on to the $15 an hour um, wage act. So I'm um, very proud of that work. You know, we similarly, we, we pushed them on immigration. And so um, I think the grassroots in this district is amazing. They are amazing. And it's, I'm lucky to be able to work with them. You're listening to WBBM News Radio's At Issue. I'm political editor Craig Delamore. My guest is Marie Newman, a Democratic candidate for the third congressional district seat now held by Dan Lipinski. Um, let's talk about that fight for 15. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to raise the federal minimum wage to fifteen dollars yes. an hour, uh, and also raise taxes to wealthiest earners. Mm-hmm. So that's probably not going to make you the most popular person with business people. Yeah. Uh, Interestingly, to- I that's the exact opposite. What I find because obviously I talk to everybody in the district as well as um, folks that support me even outside the district because um, I do like to have other perspectives and. I think that um, there are folks that push back on $15 an hour. What we have to remember is that um, we can only get so much revenue from 1%. So if we have folks that are making a better wage and better quality of life, they are contributing back into the economy and they are wage earners that are spending money in the economy, but also um, that tax revenue builds too. So $15 an hour has been proven time and time again to be 
good for the economy. I am sure there are some extremely wealthy people that don't like this idea, but by and large, it is accepted. But while it might be good for the economy, uh, sometimes individual business owners, mm-hmm. especially small business owners, yeah. uh, say that it puts a strain on them that they might not be able yeah. to handle. Yep. And I'm a former small business owner and I understand that. So here's what where um, I say, yes, I understand. And this is the other piece that we really need to address. So um, one of the things that we need to look at is um, how we deal with small business. It's a it's 50 plus percent of the GDP, right? I think it's 52 to 54 percent now of the overall GDP. So let's support them. So let's look at how they're taxed. Small business owners under um, 30 million get taxed twice. They get taxed. Their revenue and their income is frequently the same because they're the owner of the company, right? So let's give them some tax breaks that are appropriate so that they can be better job producers, right? Um, And then also too frequently small businesses have a hard time getting loans from their neighborhood banks because of there's, uh, you know, Dodd-Frank is still in place. And while I think Dodd-Frank was a very good uh, um, act. I think that um, we can revise it a bit so that small business banks and neighborhood banks can lend to their neighbors again um, and create scalability and be can be effective job creators. Um, but it, if you give tax breaks to the businesses, what does that do to the revenue picture and the yeah, kind so, of revenue that yeah. you want to generate? So think about this this economic model. Yeah. Let's say we have Medicare for all and employers are no longer have that huge onus on their backs um, providing health care for um, their employees in a small business situation. You take that out of their overhead and then you allow them to raise their wages and allow them to have a more equitable tax uh, situation then all of a sudden that $15 an hour is not a problem. Hmm. Um, let's talk politics for a little bit here. Sure. Um, the uh, bitterness between you and uh, Dan Lipinski was, well, first off, it's, it, it was there even two years ago, but it, it seems worse now. It was so intense that uh, at the Sun-Times uh, editorial board meeting this past week, um, you two had words, and even the uh, the the third one of the other candidates in the race, Rush Dawish, uh, basically said he couldn't believe how uh, intense things were. Where does this come from? Why? I mean, it's not just that you're running against him, uh, is it? Yeah. No. So, so first of all, um, let me say two things about that. Is that um, in our campaign last time, um, the machine, the Chicago machine. And we all know what that is, and we all know Dan is a, a leader in that group. Um, did some horrifying things to my family. Stop. That's all I'm going to say about that. I called them out on Monday or whenever we had the session. I called him and the machine out. We are done. We've moved on, and I'm happy to talk about issues at all. I'm not going to continue this squabble. If Dan wants to have a squabble, he should squabble with himself. I am going to talk about issues. The district desperately needs solutions that are real and not just these uh, things that are imaginary. Well, one thing that's not imaginary, though, is the uh, Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee uh, Mm -hmm. having a rule in place, one that some people have been trying to overturn, but nevertheless, Mm -hmm. uh, it says that a consultant who works for a candidate trying to topple an incumbent Mm -hmm. uh, is blacklisted. So in other words, you can if you hire a, a political consultant, that person will have trouble getting work with other Democrats. That seems 
to be a uh, something to guarantee incumbents stay in at least yeah. and that's the main party doing this so this isn't just one well, guy but let's look at this objectively is that um the the reason the DCCC exists is to protect incumbents and to um, make sure that the party expands meaning that we continue to have more and more positions in government right so if that's their goal and that's their mission and that is largely a good thing um not everybody should be primaried um I don't have issue with that at all. I have issue with when there's not a case-by-case scenario um, judgment call made when there's someone that is ill-fitting to their district. Because it's kind of moot for me, whatever the DCCC does or doesn't do. It, 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 while it was very expensive for my campaign to deal with, we're up and over and beyond it, and it's in the rearview mirror for me. What I will say that I say always <laughs> is um, it's very important for anybody to be in alignment with their district. I'm running because our current representation is completely out of alignment with the district. So um, if the party is supporting him, and they are, D-Trip D- and DNC are, are supporting Dan heavily, and Nancy Pelosi has endorsed him, so is Sherry Bustos, that's fine. They're they're protecting their incumbent, and they are seeing it as a kind of a monolithic decision versus a case-by-case scenario. I don't have an issue with that. I've, I've run national coalitions. It's like herding cats. So I have a little bit of empathy for them. That said, we're up and over and beyond it, and... It's just not an issue for me. Um, does it make a difference, though, in in doing things like fundraising? Oh, yeah. No, I mean, it's much easier for Dan to fundraise than it is for me, very obviously. Um, but, you know, I can't whine about um, how hard it is to do this because you shouldn't do it if you're going to whine about it. <laughs> you know? uh, I, I do want to ask, uh, at least briefly, is the Democratic Party uh, in some ways headed for an ideological struggle in that's kind of a mirror image of what the Republicans have been going through between mm-hmm. the conservatives in, on, in their party and the, and the moderates and this between progressives and moderates. Yeah. So there let's be honest about the Democratic Party. There are probably 50 wings. There's not just it's not <laughs> that clean. I would love it if it was that simple. Right. You know that it was just progressives and and uh, conservatives. Um, I think there are 50 different perspectives, and I'm lucky that I have endorsements from all of those perspectives, everyone from Kirsten Gillibrand, uh, Cory Booker to Jan Schakowsky um, and Ro Khanna. You know, we have a real blend, uh, Elizabeth Warren and uh, Bernie Sanders. So the entire uh, perspectives uh, are listed in the that are listed in the Democratic Party. I have support from. So I think that we all look at programs at the end of the day and our solutions. And those people that endorse me like that I have real solutions that have efficacy. So um, I think that's how we should think about it is what we're going to do. And if we are in alignment with our district, I'll go back to that, is that you shouldn't worry about where the party's at. You should worry about where you're at relative to your own district. And I'm in alignment with my district. And that's all I care about. Uh, let me ask a political mechanics question sure. in some ways. And that is, uh, there are at, there are actually four candidates in, in this mm-hmm. race, as I uh, mm-hmm. understand it, although one of them did not show up to the editorial mm-hmm. uh, board, but Rush Darwish did. Mm-hmm. He, like you, is a progressive. Mm-hmm. How much of a, of, a, of a drag could that be on your campaign have two progressives running against a conservative? You know, it's hard to say, Craig. Um, I'm not sure. We're not seeing um, huge numbers either way. So it'll be interesting to see. I think that we'll all learn on uh, Election Day. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
Is there anything, what's the biggest thing that you have learned since 2018? Uh, I, mean, I mean, you know, yeah. what did that race teach I think you? That, I think that <laughs> um, I thought I knew how hard it was to run against the machine. Uh, that was only about a third of it. <laughs> so it's hard to run against the machine, but we're doing a great job. I am so proud of my team. They are amazing. I have the best volunteers and supporters on the planet. Um, how much do you feel the machine or the Democratic regulars, how much force do you think they still wield? You know, I think it has broken down quite a bit, but it's still out there for sure on the ground. You, I, I, we feel it every day. Um, but not just in, in uh, obviously fundraising is one thing, but mm-hmm. out on the streets. I mean, are you seeing the, the, that power being demonstrated? Yeah, I mean, the, we're not quite, I mean, we're just starting to see it. We're just starting to see them uh, come out. Um, and we are doing our best to be positive and have a positive message. And, you know, Craig, they're just going to do what they're going to do. I don't have any control over them whatsoever. So we just have to be positive, stay on message, talk about the affordability of life, and understanding that we are going to make life more affordable for everybody in Illinois 3. And we stay to that, and we don't worry about the machine. They're hard. They're tough. We have to deal with it every day. But it is what it is, and we've got a great message, and we've got real solutions. Are you seeing any of the kinds of tactics that you endured during 2018? Yes. Hmm. Hey, let me ask one more thing. Uh, so let's say you win this, uh, at least the, the um, primary, but let's say you get to Washington. Mm-hmm. What's the first thing that you would want to address? Healthcare. Absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt. Yep. And now that's even for for the president who came in saying that he was going to undo Obamacare. Mm-hmm. It's hard to yeah. I would to, let's to be turn clear that, yeah. that ocean yeah. liner. Oh sure, yeah. I I when I say I would work on health care, you're just a worker bee. Those first two years, you are um, just working hard and learning all of the ropes, and you just work really hard with those that have. Um, bills already on the table and um, support uh, those things that are most accurate. And also, too, it's really important to note one that's very one thing that's very different about my candidacy in the district is is that I will always touch base. I now have this network system and this meet and greet system. We've done 280 meet and greets this cycle, um, almost 200 last time. So we have this huge infrastructure where I can learn from the entire district. How do you want me to vote? I want to represent you. How should I vote? So. Um, when it comes to health care or um, gun safety solutions or um, any other economic proposals like empowering unions and raising wages, I will ask the district and keep in touch with them very closely. And I, that is one thing that's very different about my candidacy is that I'm in touch with the district and I will vote the way they want me to. Um, let's talk very briefly about gun safety. Mm-hmm. Um, another issue that, yeah. that's affecting cities across the U.S. It sure is. Yeah but also one that's hard to get through, get anything done in Congress. What do you think could be done? Yeah, I think that, um, well, we have one that's ready to go into the Senate, obviously, but it's on McConnell's desk, H.R. 8, uh, Robin Kelly um, spearheaded. She did an amazing job. She worked with Moms Demand Action on that, um, and she has been such a leader in that space. So if we get that through, that's a good bedrock. What does that that do? That is universal background checks. The next thing we need to do is the assault weapon ban, and then uh, the, the next, I think, two actions would be red flag laws, and then uh, making sure that every uh, purchaser is trained with a gun, issued a license, and has insurance. Um, 
the assault weapons ban always seems to collapse on arguments over the definition. Yeah. Do you see any progress in getting to something? Yeah, I mean, I here's what I see in my district specifically, but I hear around the nation um, through various groups is that um, a lot of Republican women want the assault ban. They do. All right. Uh, I would like to thank third district congressional candidate Marie Newman for spending this time with us. I very much appreciate that. Thank you, Craig. Um, well, to our listeners, if you would like a copy of this program or just to hear it again, please visit our website. That is WBBMnewsradio.com. Just follow the podcast links. You can also find our podcasts on radio.com. Uh, I will be back next week with another edition of At Issue. I hope you will be listening. Until then, I'm Craig Delamore, News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.